0: running out for me I
1: wish that he would hurry down from Dover And Dover. When you think I'm crazy, yeah, you think I'm crazy And
2: you think I'm crazy, yeah, you think I'm crazy Well, that's not Well, that's fair. You can accept it or be stupid and be a skeptic Identify flying objects
3: Welcome to a special bonus episode of the I Wanna Believe podcast. I'm Nomar Slevic. So this is kind of a remix episode. In season one, Kyle and I covered the Dover Demon case, and we were quite the novices at the time. Not that we're professionals by any means at this point, but our sound quality did get better, so I am remixing this episode, and I'll be inputting some sound clips from some interviews and all that good stuff something so bizarre. Before we jump into the episode, I did want to remind everyone that all of our I Want to Believe social media and email are in the show notes. My book, Granite Skies, A Disconcerted Journey Through the Unknown is available for purchase. You can get that at Slevicstore.company.site or at the Greenhand Bookshop in Portland, Maine. Links are in the show notes. All right. Let's talk about the Dover Demon.
4: Three separate sightings over two nights, each one along Dover's dark wooded roads.
0: You're not gonna believe what I just saw last night. What is that? I saw this two nights ago.
2: That isn't look
4: right. All three witnesses were teenagers attending the local high school. Each of them saw something, something they couldn't explain. Something so bizarre, they felt compelled to capture it in quickly drawn sketches. No
2: way,
0: I've seen this. When did you see this?
3: It's almost as if the Dover Demon popped into
0: our reality and popped out.
3: The story began on April 21, 1977, when at around 10.30pm, a teenager named Billy Bartlett along with two friends were driving down Farm Street near Dover, Massachusetts.
4: Bartlett noticed something moving along a stone wall at the edge of the road. There, he caught a glimpse of a creature with an unusually round head, long spindly arms and fingers, a pale complexion, and glowing orange eyes. He turned the music down. Did you guys see that? See what, Billy? That thing next to the road. His friends turned to look, but they saw nothing. and convinced Bartlett to turn the car around to get a better look. But when they returned, whatever he saw was gone.
3: He realized it was like nothing he had ever seen. Bartlett would later describe the Entity as, quote, "...it was not a dog or a cat. It had no tail. It had an egg-shaped head. It looked like a baby's body with long arms and legs. It had a big head, about the same size as the body. It was sort of melon-shaped. The color of it was the color of people in the Sunday comics." End quote. Bartlett also stated that the creature had large, orange eyes and a hairless body with what appeared to be a rough textured epidermis and a distended stomach. He further elaborated that this animal had large hands and feet, complete with elongated digits, which Bartlett claimed the creature used to grasp the loose rocks along the wall. He made a sketch of what he saw that night and, in my personal opinion, it looks like some sort of weird alien. There is an image in the show notes. Check it out and let me know what you think. Okay, two hours later, and approximately one mile away,
4: 15-year-old John Baxter was walking down Millers Hill Road. As he strolled under a street light, he noticed a small person coming towards him.
3: He thought it was a friend of his at first and called out to the figure when the figure spied Baxter, it apparently fled into the woods next to the road.
4: John chased after it into an open field.
3: Eventually, Baxter lost sight of the figure and he finally stopped near a shallow gully to catch his breath. According to his own account, it was at that moment when Baxter saw the creature leaning against a tree.
4: It wasn't human or like any animal he'd ever seen. Baxter hurried back to the road and ran straight
3: home. Baxter later described the following harrowing moments. Quote As I was looking really close there, I could see the eyes. It was looking at me. I just stared at it for another few minutes, and then I got all these thoughts that maybe it was something really strange. Nothing ever happened to me like this before. I didn't know what to think. Finally, I got the thought that maybe it wasn't as safe as it looked. It was staring at me, and it just seemed like it was I don't know. I got all these feelings, thinking it was waiting to spring or whatever. So I backed up the bank kind of fast, and my heart started beating really fast. End quote.
4: He sketched what he had seen, and the image that he drew was very similar to the entity that Bill Bartlett claimed to have seen just a few hours earlier.
3: That sketch is also in the show notes, so check that out. The third and final encounter with the Bean occurred the following evening. It was spotted by 15-year-old Abby Brabham and 18-year-old Will Tainter.
4: Along the roadside, they saw a creature crawling on all fours with the same characteristics that Bill Bartlett and John Baxter had described, except that it had glowing green eyes. Once again, the elusive figure vanished before they could get a closer look, and that night, Abby made a sketch of her own.
3: They claimed that the creature in question was thin and sitting on all fours by the side of the road near the edge of a bridge. Brabum compared the beast to a bulbous-headed, hairless primate. She said, quote, as I looked at it, it kind of looked like an ape. And then I looked at the head, and the head was very big, and it was weird. It had bright green eyes, and the eyes just glowed, and they were looking exactly at me.
4: In the following days, word spread of the bizarre sightings, all within the same area. Reporters swarmed over the town seeking answers. Authorities vouched for the credibility of the young witnesses, but when the hype finally settled down, no one could provide a satisfactory explanation, and no definitive evidence ever surfaced.
3: As news of this event were reported, investigators Lauren Coleman, Ed Fogg, and Walter Webb visited the area. Coleman interviewed all of the primary eyewitnesses within a week of the sightings and has been credited with coining the name Dover Demon. All three investigators came to the conclusion that there was no evidence of a hoax. Coleman stated, quote, We have a credible case over 25 hours by individuals who saw something. Nothing quite like the demon has been reported before or since. The Dover creature does not match the descriptions of the chupacabras, or of the Roswell aliens, or of the bat-eared Hopkinsville goblins. It doesn't really fit any place. It's extremely unique. It has no real connections to any other inexplicable phenomena. I think the Dover demon's mystery lives on." End quote.
0: Three popular theories have arisen to explain what happened. The first theory is that it was a known animal viewed under circumstances that made it appear strange. The most popular candidate here is a baby moose, but horses, cows, dogs, and even gibbons have been suggested. The second theory is that there was no creature at all and the whole thing was made up by the eyewitnesses. The third theory, for those who are less inclined to dismiss the otherworldly, is that the creature was an extraterrestrial of some sort, and the reason it never showed up again was because it returned to outer space.
3: So alluding to what Mr. Coleman said about the descriptions not matching Roswell aliens or the Hopkinsville goblins, that's definitely true. But some people have speculated that the Dover Demon does look like a grey alien. And in all of my research into the Dover Demon case, not just for this podcast, but also for a book that I put out last year, Granite Skies... I've never read or heard of a UFO sighting in conjunction with this event.
0: What about the idea that the Dover Demon is an alien? If we accept that the creature literally looks the way it was drawn and described, then the alien theory would seem only logical. Nothing on Earth looks like the Dover Demon, and since it never appeared again, perhaps that means it wasn't from Earth at all. Sure, it's essentially answering a question with another question, but darn it all the thing looks like an alien, does it not? Well, that was investigated too, and it was also ruled out. If the Dover Demon was an alien, you would expect some UFO sightings in the area, either before, during, or after the creature was seen. Sure, it would not be a solid link, but it would be too great of a coincidence to ignore. No such sightings were ever reported, and nobody recalled seeing anything unusual in the sky at the time.
3: That was until 2017. In the book Curious Creatures of New England by Christopher Forrest, he wrote about the Dover case and of a family who saw a UFO during the exact same time frame. He wrote of the family in the nearby town of Natick and said that they too saw the creature on the night of April 21. Five family members were driving home from a family dinner at their grandmother's when they saw the creature in a similar manner to Bartlett. Oddly, the family did not think much of the incident and never reported it. The next day, one of the witnesses joked with the others that what they saw might have looked like an alien. Later that night, the family observed a light in the sky hovering in one spot, and then it started to move about. Forrest wrote, quote, There was a strange set of lights in the sky that night. The lights then appeared to hover high in the sky over the car and followed them all the way through the streets of Dover, into the streets of South Natick, through the streets of Downtown Natick, and into West Natick. The strange lights caused the family to pause and wonder exactly what they saw. Was it more than just a strange animal? There were no regular flight paths that would have caused a plane to take such a trip over the streets of Dover and Natick. It definitely appeared as if something weird was happening in the sky as well as the ground. End quote. So you can imagine in 2017, 2017 Nomar was like, whoa, finally a UFO connection. But. That's the only source that I could find. I actually contacted Forrest, the author of that book, to see if he had more information or even just the name of the family so I could contact them myself. As of June 24, 2021, he never has returned my messages. Now, if the UFO connection was not enough, Coleman wrote about a Men in Black connection in 2016. He did this on the Cryptozo News blog. In it, he wrote, quote, In the 1978 book I wrote with Jerome Clark, Creatures of the Outer Edge, I first documented my 1977 investigations of the Dover Demon. During my initial field work, I coined the file name Dover Demon, which found a life of its own. Importantly, I got to the case to examine all the eyewitness details before the media did. Now, almost 40 years later, searching the archives, retired Boston Museum of Science Planetarium Assistant Director Walter Webb, also one of the original investigators, forwarded a scan of an original article from 1977. The news item contains mention of a part of the Dover Demon episode I have never retold the weird Men in Black incident that happened in the wake of the Dover Demon sightings. Here is how these encounters were captured in two cooperating newspapers at the time. The papers were The Daily Transcript, August 30, 1977, and The Needham Chronicle, August 31, 1977. The article was called, That Demon in Dover Was Real to UFO Author in Needham by Joan Wright." Okay, so now moving on to the article, the article states, quote, It could be coincidence, but Coleman implies it's more. He reported that two months to the day of the first sighting, two men in black appeared at the Dover house. This is where Coleman worked at the time, and they were looking for Coleman. A woman at the school gave the men Coleman's address, but they never contacted him. However, the men told the woman not to tell anyone about the Dover Demon." Wearing black leather jackets and white motorcycle helmets, the men, according to the woman, stood perfectly erect with their arms by their sides and spoke in a monotone. They identified themselves as investigators from National Geographic. Coleman spoke to a friend in Ohio who, in what appears to be another coincidence, experienced the same thing. The man said that three years ago, after reciting in Ohio, two men fitting the same description, talking the same way, and also identifying themselves as being from National Geographic, demanded of some witnesses that they not say a word about what they saw. End quote. Its
4: true identity still remains a mystery, but one thing is certain. All three witnesses made claims that were nearly identical, and to this day, they stand by their
3: stories. I also wanted to share a little bit of history that I found about Farm Street.
1: Today, Farm Street has been described as a modern-day Sleepy Hollow, with woods lining the fieldstone walls and countless acres of farmland. Since at least the 17th century, the vicinity of the second oldest road in Dover has been associated with strange occurrences. In his 1914 town history, Dover Farms, Frank Smith writes of Farm Street. In early times, this road went around the picturesque Poka Rock, which was called for a man by that name, of whom it is remembered that amid the superstitions of the age, he thought he saw his satanic majesty as he was riding on horseback by this secluded spot. Some have theorized that the large geological outcropping in the woods off Farm Street that historian Smith called the Poca Stone might actually have been called the Puka Stone after the fairy folk of Celtic folklore. Puka are considered to be the bringers both of good and bad fortune. They could either help or hinder rural or marine communities. The creatures were said to be shape-changers which could take the appearance of black horses, goats, and rabbits. Like the Celtic peoples, the native Cree and Ojibwa of North America had a trickster of their own. The Manikishi are a race of trickster people in Native American folklore. They are described as human-like entities with long thin legs and arms. They are said to have 12 fingers, 6 on each hand. Their round, bulbous, hairless heads with large eyes and no nose are apparently quite big in comparison to their small bodies. One of their biggest delights? It is to crawl out of the rocks and capsize the canoes of people canoeing through the rapids, spinning them to their death. Could they be something that has been living here in North America for hundreds if not thousands of years? Could they all be calling the stone their home?
3: That's the Dover Demon case in a nutshell. It was those first three sightings in April 1977. And then apparently Christopher Forrest uncovered another sighting of the Dover Demon and then a possible UFO encounter along with it. Then there was this odd men in black connection that a woman connected to Lauren Coleman talked about in 1977, but he finally brought public in 2016. All very interesting. And that brings us to the end of this bonus episode, this remix episode, if you will, of the I Want to Believe podcast. Don't forget that season five is coming. I'm currently researching and writing episodes for that season coming up. And Kyle Sawyer will be joining us for season five. I am so excited about this. And I also wanted to let you know of a couple of podcast appearances that I'm going to be on coming up pretty soon. Creepy Unsolved and Radio Wasteland. So check this end of june uh, coming up july schedule to see when i'm going to be on their shows they are pre-recorded and i've already been on and i had a great time with both shows also i got a brand new book coming out september of this year the 28th of september to be exact it's a horror fiction book called we only come out at night it's a collection of 33 short horror stories and I'm very excited about it. I'm also kind of scared and feeling vulnerable about it as well because uh, this is my first time publishing something that is fictional and coming from the state of Maine and having such a big horror icon as Stephen King here it kind of feels like what's the point but I have gotten some feedback on the stories and it has been generally favorable and again that's coming out uh, in September of 2021 and I'm sure I'll blast my socials with all the. Information Information on how to get that. Pre-orders are coming on Friday the 13th, which is August this year. Alright, enough gabbing, all that good stuff. Thanks so much for listening. I'm no more nah, nah,
2: nah. The good guys dressed black. Remember that just in case we ever face to face and make contact. The title held by me. my Means what you think you saw, you did not see. So don't play big buck. Is now going black suit with the black ray bands on Walking shadow, moving silence Guard against extraterrestrial violence But yo, we ain't on no government list We straight, don't exist, no names and no fingerprints Saw so something strange, watch your back Cause you never quite know where the MIBs is at Uh, and the minimum, minimum, black. Galaxy defense. Night on the horizon, bright light, into sight, tight Camera zoom, When in your pens in doom. But then, like, boom, black suits fill the room up with the quickness. Talk with the witnesses, hypnotize up, normalize up. Vivid memories, turn to fantasies. Ain't no one my bees cannot please. Do what we say, that's the way we kick it. Yeah, you know I mean, let's noisy cricket, get wicked on you. We're your first, last, and only line of defense against the worst come of the universe. So don't fear us, cheer us. If you ever get near us, don't cheer us with fearless my bees freezing up all black. That's that for Men in black. Uh, and. The men um, in black. The men in black. The me in black. me men with me me men with me, just bounce it with me come on, on, me see see you slide slide with me Just, slide with me, just, slide with me, just slide Just walk, walk with me, take a walk with me, come on.